You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You'll get caught up in the things of this world and things of this life and things like whatever. Idols, idolatry, sexual immorality, etc., etc., etc. Here's the truth. We're all spiritual prostitutes. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. It's a love story. The story of Jesus is a love story. It is possible that you might lose your focus on Jesus. The things of the world will pull you away, and he'll slip from his rightful place as your center. If this does happen, remember that he loves you, and that no matter how far you drift, he'll always long for and await your return. Pastor Danny teaches you today that the story of Jesus is a love story. It's a love story where he and you are the stars. He created you and has adored you every day since. Whether or not you acknowledge him as you should, he acknowledges you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, as he continues his message, Cinderella. so pagan she doesn't know anything except that she needs to be saved and as imperfect as it was evidence of her salvation was that she lied for God to save these spies lives her salvation I thought about it and I thought about this psalm would you say it with me come on A thousand may fall at your right side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You'll only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge. Imagine the priest blowing that trumpet on the seventh day, seventh time around. Walls of Jericho begin to crumble, but not where Rahab lived. And as she watched the world around her crumbling and being judged, she saved. But it was not just saving faith. Not just saving faith. It was surprising faith. Who would have thunk? A prostitute like Rahab. But the Bible is filled. In Jesus' first coming, most of those that followed him, unlikely characters, First person to witness his resurrection from the dead was a woman named Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. So many unlikely characters. One of my favorite is the little Danny DeVito-looking fellow. I believe that's what he looked like. His name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, though, he's a short guy, and he lived in ancient Jericho. And Jesus is coming through his town, Jericho, and Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus, and he wants to get a look at him. But he's too short. He can't see over the crowd. So he skimmies up this ficamore, 
sycamore, fig tree. Whew, tough one. He shimmies up a tree because he wants to get a look at Jesus. And he's shocked because Jesus comes to where he is and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, get out here. I got to go to your house today. And Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house, and Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. He's a cheat. He's a two-faced. His own fellow Jews hated him. He got rich at their loss because he was such a cheat. And there is Jesus is at his house. He says, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody, and he had cheated a lot of people, I'll pay them back four times what I took from them, which is what the law required. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today. And everybody's surprised because Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. Who's he talking to? Religious people caught up in their religion, faithful synagogue attenders but whose lives had never been radically transformed by faith in the God of Israel and specifically here in Jesus. Religious people. Not any of you, religious people. Sometimes it's easier to reach the prostitute on the street or the outcast who's a cheat and everybody knows he's a cheat and he knows he's a cheat. They know what they need. They know they need a change. They know they need to repent. They know they need salvation. The religious person sometimes says, well, I'm a pretty good person. Saving faith. Surprising faith. Who would have thought? Rahab, the prostitute. She gets saved. And for the third one, thank you, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was a preacher back in the 1800s. They called him the Prince of Preachers. And in a message on Rahab, he gave me my third S in Rahab's characteristic. Faith. Charles Haddon Spurgeon calls it singular faith. Let me read you a little bit of his message. Have you ever felt that it's very hard, very hard thing to have a singular faith? It's the easiest thing in the world to believe as everybody else believes. But the difficulty is to believe a, a thing alone when no one else thinks as you think. To be the solitary champion of a righteous cause when the enemy mustereth his thousands to the battle. Now, this was the fate of Rahab. She had not one who felt as she did, who could enter her feelings and realize the value of her fate. She stood alone. Oh, it's a noble thing to be the lonely follower of despised truth. Rahab's faith, sinner as she was, had this glory, this crown about its head, that she stood alone, faithful, among the faithless found. Go get him, Charles Haddon. For 40 years, 40 years, the people of Jericho had been hearing about this God of Israel. From the time that he delivered Israel from Egypt, parted the Red Sea, begins to defeat all these powerful kings and peoples. And everybody in Jericho, we just read it from the testimony of Rahab, everybody in Jericho feared the God of Israel. One thing to fear God, it's another thing to put your faith in him. Because if you really put your faith in him, that means you turn from your way of going and you submit your life to him. Because he is God. So if he's God, we're accountable. Rahab, amidst a town full of people that feared God but would not move to put their faith in this God they feared, Rahab took the step. 
What a step it was. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. Wide is the gate. Broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate. Narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Not because God's hidden it, just because it takes courage, and it requires repentance. It's a turning, turning from the way I'm going and turning the way God wants me to go. Singular faith. And you have to, at that moment, care more about what God thinks and what's eternally best for you than what your wife or your husband or your son or your daughter or your mom or dad or anybody else, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. You make a singular decision. You take the step of a lifetime. That's what Rahab did. Singular faith. She stepped out and she trusted the God of Israel and she placed her life in His hands. And because she did, Fourth characteristic of sanctifying faith. Paul writes about it. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus with unveiled faces are changed by the Spirit of God from glory to glory. What does that mean? It just means it's a progression from glory to glory. doesn't happen all at once. doesn't happen overnight. But in time, the sanctifying influence of the Spirit of God and the truth of the Word of God, God uses those things to change our lives dramatically. And one of the things that Rahab did immediately, it's something that God tells all of us we should do, but it especially applied to Rahab. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Rahab had offered her body to so many. Now things were changing dramatically. Now she offered herself to the Lord, put her life in His hands. And as she became a part of the people of God, the children of Israel, she began to, she began to learn. They began to teach her, and they began to tell her stories about the God of Israel. And I imagine they told her that He's the Creator. He created the first man and woman. Their name's Adam and Eve. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Details of the miraculous deliverance from Egypt and how God had them slay the Passover lamb and apply the blood. The fact that they were slaves in Egypt. I think she really liked that part of the story because she understood slavery from her vantage point. She was a slave to sin. And I can just imagine Rahab hanging on every word, soaking up truth like a sponge. And I can just imagine the first time she hears the Ten Commandments. And she really perked up on the ninth one. Thou shalt not lie. (laughs) Whoops. And as God began to change Rahab's life dramatically, sanctify her life over time, not only had an impact on her life, because her life was being changed, had an impact on her family. Mom and dad got saved. The brothers and sisters got saved. I know it doesn't happen for all of us. We'd love it to, but it happened for Rahab. And when everything else crumbled, Rahab's family decided, we're going to join you in your faith. We're going to join you, and we're going to take the step of trusting in the God of Israel. And because they did, they were saved too. Her sanctifying influence of faith had an effect on family. That's why God tells us in 1 Corinthians 7, if you are a believer 
and you are married to an unbeliever, you are not to seek to be separated and especially divorced from them because you are a sanctifying influence in that relationship. It even goes on to say that you're a sanctifying influence on your children. You may not see it. You may not realize it, but by faith, you need to know you are a sanctifying influence in those relationships. Continue to let God change you. And as God continues to change you, by faith, you are going to be used by God to have an influence on those around you. Your wife, your husband, your kids, your mom, your dad, your family. While the first characteristic is certainly the most important, the final characteristic to me is the most just exciting. It's exciting. (laughs) Being saved, that's the most important thing, but not just Saving faith, surprising faith, sanctifying faith, singular faith, but Rahab's faith, the storybook, storybook. Paul the Apostle writes in 1 Corinthians, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived. The things that God has prepared for those who love Rahab had no clue what God's will for her life was. She just knew that she needed to purify her life. Uh, the old life was, was behind her now. And you can just imagine, you can imagine, as she's taught about purity and sexual purity and, and all these things and, and whatever, whatever wardrobe she had when she came into the camp of Israel, they probably discarded that and said, we got to get you some new clothes, honey. That blouse ain't going to do it now. You know, We're not going to call attention to that anymore. You know, we want, we want all the people to, uh, to really be called attention to your buttocks or your legs or, you know, your figure. Yeah, we want, them, we want them to see your godly character. We want that to be the thing that attracts people to you, especially men. Because if you are going to marry in the will of God, you need to become a godly young woman. And if you'll become a godly woman, then, then God, in His will, in His time, may choose to bring you godly man. You're Prince Charming. And you know what? (laughs) It happened. I don't know what it looked like, but the Bible tells us that somewhere along the way, as, as, as Rahab became part of the people of God, there was an Israelite man, and he took notice of her in a romantic way. I, I don't know what it looked like. I don't know how they did it in those days. I don't know if the dude went up and said, hey, want to go for a camel ride? I don't, know. I don't know if he said, hey, you want to come over to my family campfire tonight and let's have some baklava together? I don't know. I don't know how it happened, but this guy begins to look at her and he likes her and he's attracted and he begins to, whatever they did, however they did, he begins to court. They get married. And the Bible tells us her husband's name. You want to find her husband? We'll go to Matthew. Matthew's gospel. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And he just happens to be in the family lineage of Jesus Christ. Amazing. Matthew chapter 1, you go down, verse 4. Ram the father of Amenadab, Amenadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon, Salmon the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Anybody getting Jesus bumps? This is cool, man. This is cool stuff. So we know her husband was Salmon. Who was Salmon? Well, keep a marker there. Go back to the Old Testament. First Chronicles, 
First Chronicles chapter 2. And you go down to verse 10. Ram was the father of Amenadab. Amenadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the leader, leader, or if you will, the prince of the people of Judah. That's Jesus' tribe. That's the tribe of praise. He's the number one leader. That means he's the prince of that tribe. Wow. She married a prince. Then you go back to Matthew chapter 1. It continues. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, Boaz, of course, married Ruth the Moabitess. That's another love story, just like Rahab's. That's amazing. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. Come on, put it together. Rahab is the great-grandmother of King David. And she's in the lineage, the family line of Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a Cinderella story. But it's not a C-I-N-Dorella story. It's an S-I-N-Dorella story. Sin. Some people, they read it, they get the... Things connected, they hear a message like this, and they go, that's a great story, but I can only relate to it to a degree because, you see, I've never been on the level of a prostitute. Well, really. James says, you adulterous people, don't you know friendship with the world is hatred toward God? And ever, Paul talked to the Corinthian church, and he said, I want to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, but I'm afraid just as Eve was deceived, you'll be deceived. And you'll get caught up in the things of this world and the things of this life and things like whatever. Idols, idolatry, sexual immorality, etc., etc., etc. Here's the truth. We're all spiritual prostitutes. But here's the good news. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. It's a love story. The story of Jesus is a love story. Don't lose me here. I'm almost done. Don't lose me here. I summed it up. Handwritten. It's a message of salvation. That's obvious. And God wants all men to be saved, all people to be saved. It doesn't matter your past. doesn't matter how much sin. doesn't matter the depth, the degree of your paganism, sinfulness. Man. You come to Jesus, it can all be cleansed, all be forgiven. Rahab, in one moment, put her faith in the God of Israel. Forgiven, saved. No more future judgment, salvation. It's a message of salvation. It's a story of salvation. It's also a story about finding God's will for your life. And the only way you're going to really find God's perfect will for your life. Romans 12, 1 don't be transformed, or don't be conformed to the image of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But it starts with verse 1, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's what Rahab did. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to find, you want to find the right person to marry in life. Then make sure God is number one in your life. And you become a godly woman, a godly man. People that want to marry godly people 
are godly people. But then as I thought about that, I thought about all the failed love stories. I thought about my own. I made a list. Faye Waddell took me years to get over her. I was first grade. But about three years later, when Dawn Fields showed up at the skate rink, I thought, I'm in love again. It's a new day. But she didn't reciprocate, and she chose Doug Truitt over me. Her loss. Took me a while. It was the first year of middle school that Drusilla Lawton showed up, and Drusilla Lawton helped me to get over Dawn Fields. But Drusilla, she was like Dawn. She chose somebody else. Then there was Deb Cantarella, and Deb Cantarella never even knew I had a crush on her. More did anybody else. I loved her. Then there was Vanessa Gunnels, Vi. She was one of the cheerleaders. Boy, and she was hot. Then there was Eileen Welch, and then there was Terry Wilson, then there was Tammy. And thank God, thank God, after all those years, I finally, finally, finally found Wendy. But, 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 but I knew you were going to do that. Every single service did that. I knew you were going to clap. Well, let me just fill you in. It ain't a perfect marriage. And most of the problem, it's her fault. It's, it's, it's the woman you gave me. It's, please, we'll end with this, but listen, listen. It's a wonderful story of salvation, and God wants everybody to be saved. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your degree of sin. It's a wonderful story of finding the will of God for your life, especially your Prince Charming or your Cinderella. You want to marry in the will of God. But even marrying in the will of God is just not going to be everything you thought it was going to be because it's just, it, there's no perfect marriage here. And so as I thought deeply about it, here's what I wrote and here's what I underlined in red. For me, for me, and I pass it on to you. Because if I ask you to raise your hand, how many failed romantic dreams represented in this room right now? There would be a lot of hands. How many of you married, even in the will of God, and yet, issues? And so here it is. Everything we dream of regarding romantic fantasy and fulfillment, heaven will be, and more. It's a love story, but it's an eternal love story. And here's what some of us have to take by faith, because we can't digest it all. Guys have a hard time digesting, we're not going to marry or be given in marriage in heaven. So you mean there's no sexual intimacy in heaven? That's right. Bummer! And some of us, we don't want to go. That's just on it. Because look, but you have to realize by faith what being married to the eternal bridegroom is going to be like. It will so far exceed any earthly pleasure, even one enjoyed in the bounds of holy matrimony. No mind is conceived. We, we can't even imagine what God has planned for us. It's going to be better Better, 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 better than any Cinderella story on this side of heaven because every Cinderella on this side of heaven, it's just not perfect. Perfection is coming. Amen.
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. Pastor Danny's study, Gleanings from the Old Testament, will continue next time, so be sure to tune in again. Through this study, you'll meet a variety of characters, some strong in their faith and others not, some who seem to have a massive role in society and others who only have a minor part to play. Each person and each situation have a valuable lesson for you, though, and it's worth your time and attention. You can and should learn from their triumphs as well as their failures, and you can take comfort in the one that they all served, your Creator, God Himself. You also have the privilege of seeing the future that they had yet to know. You have the rest of Scripture to dig into as well. Today, we encourage you to read again the passage that Pastor Danny taught on, or turn to another part of the Bible. You won't be disappointed, and God has plenty to tell you on every page of Scripture. It truly is the living Word. If you'd like to explore more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series or others, we encourage you to visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for for today. We'll continue walking through the Old Testament next time, right here on The Living Word. 